So, are you ready? I was born ready, sweetness. Oh my goodness! 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 Not another! Not another! Not another! Not another podcast! Well, actually, that's that's quite all right then. Hello, and welcome to episode fourteen of. Oh my goodness, not another podcast. Very nice. We are so happy to have you here today. There are two people actually with me recording today. One of them is our guest, Pixie Girl. Say hello. Hi, everybody. Hope everyone Yay! <laughs> I get to be on here with Dream Pajepi, so I'm really having a very awesome evening. Oh, we're so glad to have you here. And then, of course, as you heard, the exuberant, uh, oh goodness, what am I going to call it? Idiot. And, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not the ex- excitement from the co-host, Jeppy. Hello. The co-host with the mostest. Hello. Co-host with the mostest, that's right. How exciting is this? Which part? Pixie Girl. We do. We have Pixie Girl. We've had Pixie Girl's daughter on the show multiple times. So, yeah, it's very exciting to have Pixie Girl join us today. Is it your first time podcasting Pixie Girl? It's not, huh? Because no. you've done some. Yeah, do you I know? Did, I did a couple with uh, with my daughter. We did um, the main podcast a couple of times. And I think she had me on one time as an interview for the Caw Cod podcast, I believe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and you're saying that you've been on Gino's Corner also? Uh, we did the main podcast, if you listened to that one. She actually wants to do another one, an update for our first year in the area. It's just a uh, pity me you know, to do it is sometimes a little hard. So <laughs> A little reluctant <laughs> at times. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching the videos from when you guys arrived there and things that you guys did. And so that was really neat. So it was a great trip. It really was, and it's a beautiful place. So it seems like it. There's a, I believe, didn't she also do like a, a little picture thing where it just showcases all the pictures that she took when she was there? Still yeah, pictures? I, yeah, I believe she did. I think she. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah. And so everyone can actually see where Pixie Girl lives. <laughs> If you look for uh, Gino's podcast, Gino's Corner, I know she put some of the um, video casts there, and she put the picture thing on there, and so you can see that through there. And we also get to hear Pixie Girl via Gino on call on a regular basis, which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, except for, you know, she does my voice. More like a pixie. Exactly. It was really my children that picked out my name. Um, I was actually called Pixie as a little girl. And uh, so my one son, he's when I was looking for a name for my first warlock, and he says, Mom, Pixie. I'm thinking, you know what? That kind of fits, actually. So that's how the name came about was he named me. I don't know. I, I don't think I would often put together pixies and demons. No, but the warlock suits me. Um, it's <laughs> she does. It's it's a it's a funny thing, but I think maybe maybe both will understand that you kind of bond with your characters. Yes, yeah. so okay. absolutely. Right. So you choose a character that is kind of like you are, and that's the warlock is actually kind of like I am. So I'm not saying that I'm evil because I'm definitely not, but. And you can't summon demons? Well, actually, I can. I have five kids. So, yeah, summoning demons. Oh, oh, yes. You burst them. Just ring the doorbell. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I have one that uh, definitely is a redhead. He's much better now than what he was when he was younger. So, yeah, he was definitely a demon child. Oh, I think it's a boy thing. Jeppy, were you a demon child? Uh, um, I was almost angelic, to be honest. Really? Yeah. My brother, on the other hand, who's only a year younger, was a demon. So, <laughs> so have, you just kind of have to grow up faster. Although, if you ask him, he'll say the, the complete opposite. He'll say that I was... Oh, I'm sure. Actually, going, I mean, this is, this is heading into the nerd zone a little bit, but pixies are not supposed to be, they're not necessarily supposed to be good by any stretch, are they? Because pixies are supposed to be quite mischievous. And from, do you remember the pixies that were in uh, Harry Potter? The, 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 Pix- yes. Yeah, pixies are not, yeah, you're right. They're not, they're not exactly angels. They are kind of very mischievous and um, kind of wayward. So, yeah, the name pretty well fits. I'm, I'm better now than what I was when I was younger, but yeah, pixies definitely does. It. My mother would have agreed with that all the way around, too. <laughs> and I'm glad she's not here to tell horse stories anymore, so that, not that I don't make sure I do, but, you know, she can't tell stories on me, so. She can no longer embarrass you. You know, that is a parent's main, uh, a main job, I believe, is to embarrass their children to death. Um, it's, it's just kind of one of the things we're just supposed to do, because let's face it, if they bring home a kid to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend and we spend the entire time embarrassing our child to death and the boyfriend or girlfriend comes back the next day it's meant to be it's like a test it's like a a trial it's like oh my goodness you embarrassed me so much and I'll be like yep yep see if they'll show up tomorrow because if they really (laughs) really are in it for you they're going to show up no matter how much we embarrass you they're probably going to show up because we embarrass you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when my mum was still with us, she used to do that fantastically. She just embarrassed the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, I wish I would have gotten the opportunity to talk to her then. I need some good material. No, she had, she had like whole albums of bath pictures and, you know. <laughs> she, she used to go, ooh, she used to, come, come here, come here, come and see Andrew's little winky. Like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> and Mickey I don't know. came back, so, you know. <laughs> You ought to hear. You ought to hear. Judo and I get together sometimes. Um, we have conversations, and we actually kind of do it on purpose because you know boys are. Well, at certain age, they get very embarrassed very easily, and I'm sure Jeppy probably remembers days when his ears turned red. Mm-hmm. Well, when we get we get together, we have conversations purposely to embarrass her brothers. It's <laughs> we have a blast doing that too. So much fun talking about girly things that they should my, uh, my wife and daughter do the same to me now. So not much. <laughs> you know, I never could embarrass my husband. It was just the opposite. Even after all the years that we were married. That we were together there were certain times when just a look from him and i would turn red and he's the only one that could actually really embarrass me i mean just really get me good other than that i usually don't i've been around so much i've heard so much that there's not much that really gets to me anymore <laughs> well good because our first story is about poo and some people find that embarrassing so <laughs> I heard that side, Jeppy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. Okay, so this story was actually posted on August 12th, so it's about 10 days old. And it talks about Bill Gates. Bill Gates is, of course, someone that most of us are familiar with because of Microsoft. And Bill Gates' latest buy was a whole bunch of fake poo. He ordered 50 pounds of it, in fact. 
tomato soybean paste that will be used to test out high-tech toilets designed to function without electricity or plumbing. Apparently they are trying to bring in some, for, for people in more third world countries that do not have access to clean toilets, or even here in the U.S. that don't have access to clean toilets and sanitation, and so many children get illnesses from a lack of sanitation and everything else and so he's trying to find helping to build these commodes that are solar powered and well some of them are solar powered there's all sorts of I guess there's some competing toilets thus the 50 pounds of poo to see which one's going to hold up and I thought that was kind of neat actually it's rather less disgusting than usual since it is fake poo and not real poo so, so he, he was going for consistency. He was going for something that actually you could mimic to, uh, faux poo. Yes, I imagine so they could see if it's going to clog up the it's toilets or. Yes. Right. I had read that too. I had found that article online, and I'm kind of like you on that one, Dreams. I think it really is kind of a good idea. You know, it's um, hopefully a breakthrough because a lot of our third world countries really do need help. So. I'm all for anything that will, you know, will help that. Yeah, especially the diseases that are passed around through things like that. Fecal matter is horrible. It is. And passing things along, especially when there's not a proper sanitation system to get rid of it. And it's something that we really do take for granted. I watched, have you ever watched the, um, I believe it's on the Animal Channel, it's the most dirtiest jobs? Oh, oh, I, I hate, I, oh. I can't watch that show. <laughs> I don't think we, thank you. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm not too fond of it either. But I caught one on our sewer systems here in the states, and it just amazes me all the stuff that we flush in our oceans. I'm like, oh, you know, and we eat those fish. So I'm, you know, I'm a very big fish eater. I love fish. I decided that after watching his program, I'm not eating nor fish. Crabs, lobster, nothing. No, thank you. Because of what they flush out there. I think their opinion is more the fact that there are so many, or there's so much ocean, that they can flush some things out there and it's not going to matter. But it is kind of scary. I I mean, how much trash? Yeah. I think the idea that just because there's tons of ocean, you should be flushing poop into it. It's not really... Exactly. Oh, I didn't say it was a good idea. <laughs> I just said, you know, that that's essentially, I think, part of their justification for it. They're like, well, it's only going to be 2% of it. It's only going to be, you know, this little bitty teeny percent. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is germs are teeny. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they did try taking uh, human poo and turning it into uh, fertilizer for plants. I don't think that went over very well either because, you know, you really don't want to handle somebody else's poo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I, I think that kind of uh, decided to get buried. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I could stop eating shellfish, though. I'm, I'm not very fond of other fish, but I am very fond of shellfish. If, so. you're, if you're hearing a manic laugh, that's my darling wife. Seems to, I, seems to be on the edge of insanity at the moment. I don't understand what's going on. But <laughs> Well, I actually didn't hear anything. Oh, but, um, now that you mention it, I'm going to listen for it. And I may take that clip where I heard her laughing before we started and put it in that spot just so they can hear. <laughs> that she has no, awesome. She has no control over her laugh. It's a, it is, a, it is a, oh, she's lovely. amazing. An amazing laugh. 
her, her laugh is contagious. Exactly. In a good way. That's the kind of laugh that you want around. Mm-hmm. It causes you to laugh. Laughter is really good for you. Yes, lots of muscles. And good to uh, lift your mood as well. I don't honestly think that Bill Gates himself bought this poop, you know. It, it says he did. No, he doesn't. It says the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Some some dude in their office ordered it. Bill Gates didn't go down to the Sawyer Poop Shop and say, how much for 50 pounds poop? Didn't do that, did he? <laughs> You know, well, just because, I mean, if you think about it, people with that much money usually don't even buy their own flowers. <laughs> um, people buy it for their flowers. What? No, no, I said people with that much money don't even buy their own flowers. You know, if I get flowers for my husband, he has to go down and do it. Uh, those people are just like, yeah, send my wife some flowers. <laughs> I have people no. my tweets, so, you know... <laughs> Well, here's another one for here's another one for you that I got off of the most dirtiest jobs, and it has definitely made me stop to think: Do I really want to buy steer manure or manure for my garden? I do a lot of planting, always mm-hmm. have, and I have horses, so you know I compost there. Their poo goes into a compost pile also, and then we use it, you know, in a year or so. Same way with my chickens. Yeah. But he was, um, he took on a, a job cleaning out a turkey house. Now, there was thousands and thousands of turkeys in this building, and they started the program out saying, well, they were giving up their poo, you know, to make it into a compost pile, therefore bag it and then sell it as fertilizer. Well, what they didn't tell you that as he's walking through this building with all these turkeys, there's dead turkeys too. And of course, there will be with that many turkeys in one spot. So they're picking up the dead turkeys. And what do they do with the turkeys? The dead turkeys go on the compost pile too. Mm-hmm. So me, yeah. So meanwhile, he's standing there, and this really nasty. And I'm glad I wasn't in because I bet it must have really smelled bad. He was standing in this black oozing goo like blood substance. Mm-hmm. They leave that. Yeah, they leave the dead turkeys in there, so they compost right along with everything else. And that what that's what goes into the bags that you buy. So I'm thinking to myself, wow. yeah, no, I'm not doing that no more. <laughs> you know that the thoughts of uh, of dead turkey, whatever, in my compost piles or in my bags of fertilizer I buy. No, I don't think so. That's interesting. I don't, was, I'm not going to uh, watch any of those TV shows. Eh? <clears throat> <laughs> I can't watch that one. I watched one where. I guess people were boning fish, and there were these huge, huge fish, and it was just, it was fast, and it was messy, and it was stinky, and it was, I was just like, ugh, I, I can't watch that show. Not that it's not good that it's there for people to become aware of those kind of things, it's just not something that I'm going to go out of my way to watch. I'm more of a, oh goodness, I can't say I'm not a real, I'm a totally reality show person, so I watch you know, I watch The Great Escape, I watch What Not to Wear, I watch you know, Face Off, I watch a whole bunch of those kind of things, but I don't watch Dirtiest Jobs. I just can't stomach it. Well, that was only two episodes I caught, and um, I'm not watching it no more either. It's not my thing. <laughs> there's certain things I'm glad to be ignorant of, to be honest. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. Well, this this news article came from Newser.com. That's where most of my poo articles come from. And, of course, as always, yeah, it, it is my poo source for news. <laughs> and, as always, if you would like to look at the article yourself, I will have it within the show notes. And so you can go to the website yourself and see what articles we are speaking about. Anyway, do, do we have anything else to say about Bill Gates and his fake poo? He's looking out, isn't he? 
Huh? Oh, Billy Boy's looking old. <laughs> he's, well, he's getting older, yes. <laughs> and so, alrighty. We have another one. This, this may be exciting for men. I'll be honest and say that I'm a little bit hesitant to celebrate yet, but it, it, it could be nice for men and actually even females. There is news that there may be a cure for baldness that will be on the shelf within two years. Wow. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting, I think, especially for, I don't know, I would, it, it, it's frustrating, I think. I, I see a lot of men who are losing their hair, and some, and even women, I mean, and some are able to joke about it and live with it and move on with it, and some, you know, it, it's like it kind of drops their whole demeanor because it's something that they look at every day and they see it in the mirror. Well, can you and imagine so, being only 30 years old and have, you know, losing your hair? I mean, that... You know, I have a cousin who, by the time he was 18, had a receding hairline back to the middle, uh, you know, almost all the way back his scalp. Right. And, and by 16, his brother was having the same issue, receding hairlines. Very, very young men who are already losing their hair. And so, and it, it's, it's hard on self-esteem. Well, it's something that you think of older older men, you know, they you think of them as losing their hair, not a teenager or 20s or even 30s. You know, mm -hmm. you, you don't really stop to think that. And there are a lot of, you know, like you just said, a lot of young men that have lost their hair. So if this works, I am all for it. Yeah, it's, it's just it may take two years. And so... I think for a while, they thought there was no... A way of doing it, so it's a huge step forward. <clears throat> something, something that scientists or beauticians or scientists have been working on for a long, long time. They know that the, you know, the cure for male baldness is, you know, going to be very well received. The problem with this, of course, is I wonder what they're going to sort of touch like this. It says that they are actually simply stopping the effects of a single enzyme they found that they found an enzyme called oh my goodness i, I should i should stop doing that <laughs> saying that i'm going to read this prostaglandin 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 i believe d2 which is being uh, it's got the acronym pgd2 and that's what instructs the hair follicles to stop producing hair so they were able to find a way to neutralize this enzyme so that hair can, I guess it can actually regrow. I think that is definitely a possibility. My brother-in-law is, um, he started losing his hair, I think he was like in his mid-30s. And I have done herbology, which I just absolutely love. So I did a formula for him and I made him take it. And his hair actually started growing back. And I couldn't quite figure out what was in this one that would actually cause that? Well, mm -hmm. I contacted an MD uh, that I worked with out there in Nevada, and um, we went over the formula that I had put together for Bobby, and she says, well, Penny, now she made me feel really, she's really a great person, but she may, and she makes you really stop and think, and that is something I love doing. And she said, now, Penny, just stop and think what you just said. What did you put in this formula that would have caused you know, his hair to start coming back? Well, when we went into the research of it, a lot of times what happens is you get your body clogged up, correct? 
if you're mm-hmm. eating junk, drinking bunch of junk, uh, smoking, alcohol, whatever, you put so much chemicals into your body. Uh, a lot of those chemicals will rise to the inner part of your skull, which stops your hair from being able to get oxygen, being able to grow, mm-hmm. being able to get the nutrients that it needs. So by putting the, um, certain herbs into your body will actually start clearing that out. It takes a long time, but it did work with him until he stopped taking it and his hair fell back out. Mm. It says here that in the bald patches, the follicles are actually still making hairs, but less well. And so the hairs get shorter and shorter until they're either barely visible or they don't break the skin's surface at all. What well, that could be. Mm-hmm. So, I have I guess problem. I have ridiculous, you know, I grow hair overnight. <laughs> and shave there. it all off. <laughs> then, yeah, and then I get to a point about six weeks in where I just have to get rid of it, otherwise I can't see. It's all hanging down. <laughs> Some sort of hippie. So um, so I have the opposite problem. And, and I know my, my brother, he isn't balding, but he does have a big hairline, and he's like, I can't believe you're just shaving all that off. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because you he would rather me. have it. Shave it so he can glue it on. There you go. There well, the I mean, the only real things for dealing with hair loss right now are that Rogaine stuff, right? And then you can do those implants, hair implants. Yeah. And then they say it's made from your own hair and it grows. How does it grow if it's an implant? Well, that's what I've always wanted to do. I'm like, <laughs> that myself. Just how did you? How do they do that? Yeah. It was it like, it, it, like internal hair extensions where you're actually digging it into the scalp. I, I honestly it, don't know. onto the uh, tiny little bit that's there. But that's just painful, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, to me, it sounds like a wig that they, you know, insert in. Like, you know, they take each, I don't know, it just, oh, it sounds, oh, I don't know. A big sewing needle and just kind of sew it in there? Oh. The other okay, thing is, is that we, what they have decided that somehow baldness is a bad thing. And it, I know that you were saying that men get to the point where they think, oh, I'm losing my hair, and somehow that means that, I don't know, losing their youth or their vitality. Manliness or, or their manliness. usefulness, yeah. But, but actually, what would be better is people to understand that it, it's exactly of a sort. That it's not. That you know, happens. It just, it just it. happens. Yeah. I have. You know, for, for all the world's problems, I'd rather focus on other things than hair loss. But anyway. I've seen some very nice looking men that are, are just. And a lot of them did on purpose. They, you know, shaved their heads. And mm. uh, I mean, I've seen some very nice looking men that are just as bald as they could be. I don't see baldness as a problem. I don't look at a man and go, oh, man, he's bald. Oh, my goodness, no. I, I had a coworker last year who was in his very early 40s who had a nice big old bald spot on the back of his head, and I would just tease him about it. And, but it was part of him, and he was one who could actually tease back, and so it wasn't an issue. But it's not something that I see as, you know, it, it's not a negative to me. But then again, you know, I, I don't find a lot of things as negatives as some people would. I imagine, just like with any change, the fear would be, you know, somewhere maybe, well, my spouse is going to find someone who has hair. You know, for a female, for a female losing their hair, you know, some females literally almost identify with their hair. Okay. And if they lose their hair, they almost believe they lose their identity. I don't want to lose my hair. I do like my hair, though I would like to kind of get it cut now. You know, it's down to my waist. <laughs> I, could, I could probably give some away. But I'm kind of like you. I think a lot of um, societies, whether it's in America or wherever else, 
you know, they put a lot onto the way you look, hair-wise, yes. body shape, whatever. And that, you know, something that doesn't define who you are. It's who you no. are is comes from within you, not from external. You know, I get into a lot of debates about that because I never judge anybody on how. That's like judging a book on its cover. You don't know what's inside of it. Right. That kind of irritates me sometimes. It really does because you're, if you judge somebody by the way they look, then you're missing the really good, greatest parts of that person. And I just, mm-hmm. that just, I oh, it just gets me. It does. I I actually completely agree. Um, we we are very very appearance based society, and you'll just. I don't know. I just, it doesn't bother me as much as some people. I, at least I don't think it does. It's, well, it bothers me when it's me. When I see a change in myself, it bugs me. But when I meet a person, I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, they don't look like a model, so I'm not going to talk to them. They must not be a very interesting person. I actually find very much the opposite to be true. Well, you know, <laughs> you know I've that, always told my kids, if you only look at the end of your nose, you're going to miss so much around you. You know, a lot of amazing people, a lot of amazing sights. And if you judge people by what you think they should be, well, then you miss those qualities. And that's a shame. That is definitely a shame. I told my girls, and I mean my girls, Juno, and her cousin was, uh, Jody was sent out to stay with us uh, because her parents couldn't handle her. And in Las Vegas, there are a lot of homeless people. Mm-hmm. And there was this old, older man walking down the street, and you could tell that he was homeless. He had his jacket on, and it's the middle of summer, and he's got his jacket on, and he's got, you know, all of his stuff with him. And my niece made a comment about that. And tell you the truth, I really wanted to turn around and slap her, which I didn't, because, you know, I understand she just didn't get it. And I said to her, I said, you know, you're lucky. You have a home. You've got parents that love you. You've got an uncle and uncle that loves you. This man has nothing. How do you know what he's like by looking at him and making fun of him for what he's doing or carrying? You know, you right. haven't ever spoken to him. You're missing a point. So they were always very careful not to make judgmental remarks in front of me. It's just something that I don't believe in. <laughs> My children tend to speak before thinking and they're still very young and so when they say something they are not always aware that it's going to be hurtful well that's something all kids do but that's where and i'm sure you know you're a really good parent and you will teach them i remember there's there's a lady that was staying with my parents and um he commented on the size of her caboose and um Yes, and what is it? You know, to me, it's a behind, gluteus maximus. Oh, and it it me, it's something that people notice, but I don't understand what you're saying. What is it? What were they coming from? Her bottom, her her, her, her bottom. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. So you were going. And, you, said, you said several scientific words, which I have no idea. Gluteus maximus. American and, there. <laughs> and my my dad tried to I mean he, he got in quite a bit of trouble and I wasn't there at the time and, and I mean he got into a lot of trouble because the woman in question is an incredibly incredibly wonderful woman and she's just I, I love her to death and she's amazing and you know it, my son 
was not trying to be mean because he's just he was at the time he was about five or six and he was just learning up you know about different body shapes and different body sizes and different you know different things and and we're trying to teach him of course that everyone is beautiful you know we are the way we are we are the shape that we are and you know what if we were all the same we'd be incredibly boring oh wouldn't we though we would. I mean, if all of us, yes, we'd be incredibly boring. And like I said, she's she's a wonderful woman, and we had to instill in our son that while he was simply making an observation, he was not trying to be mean. We have to explain to him that his words were very hurtful. And I think that children oftentimes model what their parents do. Thank if you. their parents get into the car and they suddenly start saying, "Oh my gosh, look at that lady's." then the children are going to do the same thing. They're going to be like, except children do not have the propriety to get into the car first. A lot of that comes from school also, though. Yeah, it does. When Terry was five years old, we were living up in upstate New York and in a very small community where there was not very many dark-colored people there, period. Um, Mm -hmm. And none whatsoever in his class. So, you know, my husband and I have never in our life, we raised our children to be very open-minded, very respectful, uh, accept everybody. Don't, you know, don't don't be judgmental or hateful. And Terry came home and I was shocked. I was just completely floored. He came home from school one day and made a comment, which I'm not going to repeat. And I didn't get and upset. notice I didn't say what my son said either. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I didn't get upset with him because I kind of understood in a way. But in another way, I didn't because I turned around and looked at his father. I said, where is it coming from? You know, mm. we're not like that. We didn't raise, you know. But like, again, he was only five. So I sat him down. And I always got to be the ruler of the house. And I sat him down and we had a very nice talk. It's hard, you know, to explain when when you don't have a lot of different races in an area. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to explain. So after that, we did move to Oklahoma, eastern part of Oklahoma, which is very mixed. And he learned a good lesson there. My son, when he first met a an African-American woman, we, we live in an area that is mostly Hispanic. And so an African-American woman to him was brand new. He had never seen one before. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. This was my daughter. I'm sorry. This one was my daughter. Okay. Well, my daughter walks up to this woman. We were standing in line at a store. And she goes, are you made of chocolate? Oh, I really like chocolate. <laughs> and... I went, oh my gosh, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, what's she going to do? Because I would not have blamed her for taking offense to that, because I sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I failed my children, I have not taught them enough about different races. And the woman goes, oh honey, you know I'm made of chocolate. <laughs> and I was just Which like, oh thank goodness. the right response, really. That was a, a yes. Yes, yeah. and I was just like, thank God, I, I did not want to offend the woman, um... I am a very much a person that looks inside a person. I don't look at their appearance. I don't look at their race. I don't look at their color. People will sometimes ask me, is so-and-so this? And I'm like, I don't know. Don't you pay attention? I'm like, no, I don't. It's kind of hard for Americans to really um, walk down a straight line if you really stop and think about it. If you've Mm -hmm. ever done any kind of ancestry research, 
there is no telling what you're going to find in your background. Guaranteed. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I guess maybe the- I was very fortunate because my father, um, he was Indian, mixed, actually. And come to find out, my great-grandmother was came from Gypsy Line in Germany. And that okay. explains where I got the roaming fever from. But mm-hmm. my father, he was born in Oklahoma, raised mostly in Texas. He loved Texas, period. Um, but traveling around with him, because we traveled a lot, and uh, way back then, you cotton fields were always mixed race. Um, I mean, I was you know subjected to a lot of different races and a lot of different uh, circumstances. And I think really that is a good blessing. You know, it taught me an awful lot. One of my happiest memories when I was a childhood was I lived with an African-American family for some time. And um, it was the best home I ever had. So when my children, if they made comments like that, it was like they were attacking part of me, which, you know, it's hard to deal with. But they're kids, and you have to understand. They just, they, one lady commented on my children the other day, actually, in the store. And she was just like, your children are very well behaved compared to many that come in here that we see. And I told her, I was like, oh, they have their moments when they're rude. <laughs> and, but... If it makes sense, they never make the same rude comment twice. All I have to tell them is, that was really rude, and I never hear it out of their mouth again. Right. And that goes for both of them. They are very, very good about that. I remember, yeah, I told a daughter about, or a story about my daughter and the African-American lady, and gosh, she she was so sweet. And then my son, we were at a Chinese restaurant. And our server was Chinese. And so the first thing he asks her, do you know Chinese? And she's like, yes. He's like, can you speak some? (laughs) This, this lady, she, she did her tables and then she came back and she actually sat by my son and she sat there and she played with him and she um, spoke Chinese with him for a while. And she ended up giving him a little soldier. There was a toy that had been left there by a child a long time ago. And she was like, you know what? Do you want this? And my son's like, oh, and, and so that is sweet. That he is. kept that for a long time. And so we have been very fortunate um, with, you know, the, the races that my children and my husband's children have come across, our children, I suppose. And, um, of course, my husband and I are also a different race. So my children are mixed in themselves. And, you know, that my husband and I have had some people that have looked at us funny as a result. But... Uh, I just it's it's something I never consider. I don't sit there and think about, well, you know, my husband's Hispanic. I'm very much white. I mean, it's not something that I sit and think about. I think my husband's my husband. I love him very much. I'm his wife. You know, we have these beautiful children and we go on from there. And that's the so, way it should be. I mean, it yeah. really it should. So, but uh, okay. Well, Jeppy hasn't said much. Interesting. Fascinated. You always say that. You're really playing so well. Constantly I'm fascinated. I'm not playing well. How dare you? How dare you? We know he's playing well. You know, Juno uh, called me the other night, Sunday night, in fact, and I was on Wow playing well, and she calls, and she says, I said, well, let me log out of here. She says, Mama, you don't have to. She said, you know, Jeppy and Aprilia play Wow all the time and talk at the same time. I said, well, yeah, but I can't quite do that. <laughs> I said, besides the fact I was doing, um, working on Loremaster with Pixie Girl, and to tell you the truth right about now, I'm almost ready to pull my hair out. 
Okay, I actually, that that news article came from the UK. Oh, most of my news articles today actually came from the UK, Jeffy, just so you know. This one came from I know. Telegraph. We have, like, newspapers and all sorts over here now. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, it just happens to be that a lot of the ones that caught my eye this week happen to come from the UK. Anyway. and so this one you're came moving from... up there, bud. <laughs> no. I, I'm, shocked, I'm shocked how civilized we've become over the last 2,000 years. <laughs> Or more, actually, really. Or more, yeah. Okay. Can, can I can I see where I got it from yet? <laughs> Telegraph. Telegraph.co.uk. Telegraph.co.uk. Okay, I'm sorry. .co. Okay, you guys are going to make me cry now. Stop. Oh, no. Why would we make you cry? Oh, it's got to be laughing. It's so hard. It's like, oh, laughter's good. Good, oh, good. Look, UK ah. has internet now. Yeah. Oh, my we goodness. That is internet. not what I meant. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, Sheesh. Over the last 2,000 years, I'm thinking, yeah, 2,000 and plus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm better now. <laughs> Sure you are. No, All right, really. so the next one is from dailymail.co.uk, as Jeffy wants me to say it. And that's how it's said. Fine. Twitter.com. Uh-oh, what's that? What? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait. Is it? Stop it. Okay. <laughs> it was what, something on the webpage started talking to me, and I heard it in my ear, and I was like, Whoa. Okay, anyway, can I hear the car? You know, um, that noise. What's that noise? It's on the right side. It's a uh, Olympics 2012 London no, guide. No, 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 no. no. I, on, I can hear uh, cicadas. Um, Pixie Girl is. Are, are there cicadas tweeting or chirping outside? Oh, oh, you're hearing the crickets. Crickets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that is. Is, is it a cicada? Tr- oh. Cricket? Same thing? No, they're not. Ball, like baseball, run up and down. Oh, it's kind of like the seagulls that we hear from you every now and then, Jeff. Right. The crickets are actually for my son's spider. Oh. He has a which Juno bought for him. He has a rose hair tarantula. Oh. And so every now and then he we have to buy crickets for her. So that's probably what you're hearing. Wow. Almost time for me to have- we used to have a lot of tarantulas living outside our house. We had like three of them along our front walk. And people were like, oh my gosh, why do you leave them there? I'm like, they're harmless. They don't do anything. They, are- they sit there with their legs out and kind of creep you out a little bit if you're not used to them being there. But other than that, they help keep the bugs down in the house. I'm perfectly happy leaving the tarantulas right there. Well, I would anyway. drop dead. <laughs> to actually out in the wild I will just hit ground oh my goodness where we used to live there were so many because there were so many fields literally there was a time when it seemed like tarantulas were actually migrating and so the entire road looked like it was moving because tarantulas were coming from one side to the other and as you drove I mean you drove on top of them there was no way to avoid them Texas is really very good for that one. It, if the weather yeah. is changing or if it gets a rain, it's, it, uh, they come up out of their holes. and Yeah, they do kind of run rapid. Yeah. They do. We, I had a frog in my backyard last night. That was very cool. Did you? I did. Frogs, I All right, so. Just not huh? very spiders. I said frogs I have no problem with. We have. He, like, he was we little have and round and chubby. He was cute. <laughs> I love frogs. Every, every year because there used to be a pond here. And he comes hopping along, and you know, the pond's been gone for ages, but he seems to have a racial memory or, a, or an inbuilt rem- memory of the pond. 
So he comes hopping along and he sits in our kitchen, which is where the bond would have been. And then he goes, this is not a bond. And then he hops along. <laughs> 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 this is not a bond. <laughs> There's no water here. Let me go somewhere else and find some. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. Uh, AVA must go. <laughs> 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 we usually get some after it rains a little bit, but we don't get rain very often. So. Actually, okay, so. bullfrog tadpoles huh? this year. Uh, the boys found some down here in the in the lake, and they uh, had never seen a bullfrog tadpole. They're huge. So I had <laughs> them bring them home, and I raised them so up until they got big enough, we could turn them back and turn them loose. But I told mm-hmm. them, you know, they get big enough that they can eat small birds. Um, so The actual tadpoles? No, the, the frog itself. Oh, I was going to say, as a tadpole, really? That's insane. Well, very big <laughs> are big, but no, not quite that big yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this news article that I mentioned a long time ago from dailymail.co.uk Oh. Is an armed robber tries to hold up a bedding shop with a knife, but is chased out by staff with a stapler. Oh, <laughs> with a stapler. <laughs> with a stapler. This is a robber high on drugs held up a bookies with a kitchen knife, then fled when a female clerk pointed a stapler at him. <laughs> John. Jonathan Ridley, 21, burst into a Bedford shop in Wrighton Gateshead and threatened staff with a knife as he demanded cash. But when the manager grabbed a stapler and told him to get out, he was taken aback and left without a penny. Newcastle Crown Court heard how Ridley of Denton View, Winleton, is that right? Gateshead, walked into the betting shop at around 7.10 p.m. on July 1st this year. He approached the counter where the deputy manager was alone on duty and put down the six-inch kitchen knife and a crumpled plastic bag. He ordered her to fill the bag, and she replied, What? (laughs) He repeated his demand, but the worker, who had already been held up once before, picked up a stapler and told him to get out. The (laughs) The court heard how he looked at her in shock before walking out of the shop as she called emergency services. A stapler. Okay, that's a person. Well, it says he was high. So, you know, if he was high, it depends on what he was high on. There could be hallucinations. He says X. So he shouldn't have been robbing. He should be dancing. What's he doing? That's not. Well, maybe he thought he needed more. The sort of drug. I did the robbery at the book. I was on ecstasy. I needed the money. I have nowhere to live. Ecstasy is not the sort of drug that you can use as an excuse to go stupid in a bookies. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I don't know. Drug abuse is, I mean, odd things drive people. And I was talking to someone once and I mentioned that I did not understand how someone could put aside their bills and their children and everything else and just buy drugs and spend everything or you know even gamble spend everything they have gambling and then not have the money to take care of their family and their children and he's just like you do not understand the draw of an addiction and i was like mm. well you know maybe that's true but but it does happen it, it does it does happen it happens a little bit more Sorry, than yeah. yeah it should but i'm kind of like you um after I got hurt, they put me on prescriptions. One was uh, there was two different kinds of pain pills and an antidepressant. And then on top of that, I had to take Benadryl to uh, do away with the side effects that the other medication was causing. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And I took that for I guess about three years. I woke up one morning, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, you walk around in a daze completely. And I woke up one morning, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I'm not doing this no more. So 
I threw all of everything went in the trash all of it and talk about sick I was sick for a good two months my husband came home from work I had the shakes I was just I was oh man withdrawals withdrawals yes exactly yes it's nasty stuff so he put up with me for about a week my head was over the toilet everything and he said that's it you know you need to go in my doctor was so upset with me he said you went cold turkey he said do you know that you could have died he said you threw your body into shock and meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, you know, if drug addicts have to go through this, why would they ever want to touch a drug? I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and it's not something for me. I, well, I the don't worst thing is, is The worst thing is those who will go through it several times. They'll, you know, they'll, they will come off, or they'll, whether that's because they're, uh, you know, caught or two, or, or they just see the light. And they'll they'll go through it several times, and they you know so the the drug itself must be so you know, obviously it's addictive. I'm trying to think of a, another word, but yeah, it, it must be it must be such a part of their lives that they have a hard time leaving it behind forever. Yeah, I mean I take a, a, a crap ton of and the rest of my tablets. Use my tablet. <laughs> I take a crap ton of tablets, and uh, I know a couple of times when I thought to myself, well, a few of them, I have an antidepressant, and I have other various bits and pieces as well for my heart and diabetes and stuff. And I've, a few times I thought, I'm just, my brain is not working the way it used to. It's not working as fast as it used to. It's not working, it, I'm not as sharp as I used to be because of the, of the tablets. Right. A couple of times I said, That's, I'm not taking any more, and I stopped but for a few go, days. Don't go cold and, turkey, Jeffy. Don't do that at well, all. No, 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 no. Good for your heart. I mean, just no. Oh no no! I I, I I wouldn't touch the heart ones, I'm not, yeah. but the the uh, antidepressant in particular certainly well, has. Well, you try to do away with that, but you really need to you know have your doctor slowly take you off of it, not just do like I did. It's because um, mm. it it's hard on your system, all of it. It is. You know, it's like he like doctor like my told me by doing away with the medication like I did. Because my next step up from from which really was the reason I decided I'm not doing this. They told me my next step up from what they were giving me was heroin. Okay. Oh, wow. So and heroin's a nasty drug. Right, exactly. So that tells you how strong the pain medication was. Um, and the pharmacist told me, too. He said, oh, you'll go back to taking it because it is very addictive. And I said, oh, no, I won't. And I haven't. But, you know, you can't, like in your case, Debbie, you can't just go cold turkey, especially you. You have heart problems if you want a milder one you know talk to your physician about that just don't stop taking it because mm. it, it does sometimes the body. he, he seemed he would rather i think he'd rather i was sort of immobile all the time so, so sometimes there's i have to have an argument about there's a certain amount of life to be lived you know just just existing is not enough you know there has to no, be no it's that. not you know i no. got to the point where on the medication they had me on I would. I never. I stopped carrying my purse, which I don't carry one anyway. But money I would give to my husband. Anything that I was afraid if I put it down, I would forget where I put it. So you know, I was to that point. Like like I'm sure you understand. You walk around and you're in a fog. You just. Mm. And there is more to life than just that. Yes. If you're existing, but you're not growing and learning and being a you know productive and feeling some sort of growth in yourself, it's very. I mean. That alone is depressing. Yeah, it is. I mean, even the thought of it. 
And so I think the one thing you do right, Jeffy, though, is that you are still learning. You are still growing. You do, you know, you read a lot. You are learning things. When I, you know, when we asked you what you were reading and you named us all sorts of history books, I was like, whoa, I don't read anything near that deep. <laughs> no, I've listened to Jeffy on your, you know, on your show and, and on Katu, and he is very smart. Yes. He's very, very, very smart. I'm not arguing. I'm not going to argue. No, but I think you do it right. I mean, I, I really... I, I mean, I, when I was first taken ill, I mean, I was doing a job that basically, you know, I was away traveling around the world. You know, it was no, it was, a, it was an incredibly good job. And um, to go almost overnight from that type of job, that type of responsibility, and and to then go to basically being bed bound for several, you know, right. several months was hideous. And and the, I mean, at that time I did nothing. I was I was, I was just prolaxed. I couldn't even imagine, you know, carry on. There was no. I just it it was so instant, you know, you know. So it's only over the it's only literally in the last couple of years that I've managed to say, look, this is it. This is what you're faced with. You've got no. There are certain areas where you have no you have to cope and uh, make the best of it and I think I think you, you what your things well picks go is that you just said to yourself this this is what I have this is what I need to do this is this is how I need to live and, and I you have the willpower to to, uh, to do that which is fantastic we were talking before when we were going to reschedule this recording about you know what the doctors had said to you about perhaps being in a chair and stuff and you just said no you know I this is what I want for my life and I'm going to go ahead and just damn well do it and I was uh, like that you though, person, right. yeah. but I was like you you know I mean I've always been I've never been a sitter ever always on the go I have trained broke horses up cattle driving we did that I love to be busy and mm. you know and I know a lot of things my mother-in-law told me years ago I would be out there hitting the ground pretty hard from a horse or picking up pipe doing things that I'm not very big so you know and she said someday you're going to pay for that you know, you're not you're a woman you're not a man your body is not meant for the things that you put it through and at the time, I'm thinking, ah, oh, what does she know? Well, it took me a while to realize, yeah, she was right. My spine is shot, is deteriorating. And I'm like you, you know, I was always on the go. I would get to work at the spa. I would get there at 7 in the morning. If I made it home at midnight, I was lucky. And it was mm -hmm. up and downstairs all the time. So after I got hurt and realized, okay, and like you again, it took it took a while because man, at first I was upset and depressed and not happy. I couldn't play with my kids. I couldn't do things, you know, that I love doing, and um, I was really upset. I was really depressed. And my husband finally he looks at me one day and he said, you know. He said, it's like taking a racehorse off of a track mm. and putting them out to pasture without being able to bring them down slowly so they can adjust to not doing nothing. So, yeah, and he was right. And so I understand completely where you're coming from, too. When you're always been active and then all of a sudden you're not, it's, whoa, wait a minute, where'd that brick wall come from? I just yeah. ran right into it. And there was a while while I was just keep trying to push and do myself even more damage. I was like, oh, so. It makes it hard on your family too. It makes it hard on your wife and on your children. Uh, you know, yeah. watching watching all this happening to you and and knowing that really there's nothing they can do but be there to support you. Mm. You know, and that's uh, it's always hard on them too. But as far oh, no, as and, I, and if I hadn't had if I hadn't had Sharon and, and the support of the family, I would have been in complete black collapse. And I yeah. can honest, honestly say that support is the, is why I'm here now. And not, you know, 
pushing up roses. So right. I feel the same way. If if uh, if my husband, if Jimmy hadn't, you know, he always he always had my back. Always, he was my best friend. You know, he was always there. Um, he would pretty well leave me on my own. You know, to do whatever I wanted to do. He, I mean, we had ultimate trust. But at the same time, during that period, he, he got to the point where it was kind of hard for me because I'm not one to be protected. Hmm. And he, I'd get up to go to the bathroom, and he'd say, "Where are you going? What are you doing?" I'm looking at him like him, knock it off. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a, I'm a grown woman. I can do what I want. No, you can't. But it's, I knew he was doing it because he loved me. And if it, like you again, if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for his support and his love, I probably wouldn't have made it either. Mm-hmm. I probably would have just said the heck yeah. with it. Makes you appreciate mm-hmm. every day, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it really does. You know, There's this... a woman here who, um, she's she's actually really precious to me. I am involved in a local community group, and she's one of the ladies that's there. It's it's a group for only ladies, and she um. She's very, very, very thin, and she's she's not a young lady, you know. She's she's a little bit older, and essentially, what happens is she has a hard time eating. Period, and so she kind of sometimes just gives up on eating, and so she's she's very teeny. And this last Monday, I had a meeting with her, which is why I wanted to go ahead and move the recording. And it was with the whole group, but she came in and she had broken her pelvis the day before, Ouch. and she was still there. Ooh. Her husband was in the hospital with pneumonia and um, congestive heart failure. Oh boy! And she was she was still at the meeting. She has been going to the doctor three times a week, and going to the doctor here is a long trip. It's an hour and a half, you know, to go to a hospital. Um, you know, the hospital here can do some things, but it's not nearly as large or it doesn't have as many things as the city hospital. So three days a week, she's been having to go to the hospital. She doesn't make, you know, they, they don't bring in very much money. They're both retired. And so the gas prices are insanely high. And one of the ladies at the meeting looked at her and said, you know, I just, I find you amazing. You just keep going. And she's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? If I don't keep going, I'm dead. Right. And, I mean, she's, no matter what's going on in her life, she's able to look at you and smile. She still goes to the church and she still volunteers. She still shows up at these meetings. She's still there to help out in any way she can. And, like, it's amazing. She's skin and bones. And she's just like, everybody worries about me. They, they want to put me on a feeding tube because they're worried that I'm, you know, not getting enough nutrition. And I was like, you aren't. <laughs> She's like, but I've always been thin. And I was like, I understand that. But the doctors just care about you. And that's all they're trying to do. And she's like, I know. And that's actually very comforting. But, I mean, she's just, she is an amazing woman, no matter what is thrown at her. She sounds like she's very amazing. She has a strong will for life. A she love does. for life. She does. And she just, she somehow knows that everything's going to turn out all right, no matter what. And, you know, that night... She, uh, I, I mentioned that I had made some homemade macaroni and cheese, and I asked her if she wanted some. She was like, "Ooh, yeah, that I might be able to eat." <laughs> and so, uh, I was able to take her that. And by the time I got there with the homemade macaroni and cheese, her husband had actually come home, and he was sitting there watching TV, and he was feeling much better. And uh, and it was good to see that her husband was home because she was really missing him. She doesn't drive anymore, and so either her husband or there's a there's a guy that kind of lives behind their house 
that uh, in, a, in a little apartment that will drive her around or her husband will drive her around and she's just, I mean she's amazing she's supportive she's unfaltering in everything you, no matter what's going on she will still smile and you know she's I, I hope that when I'm faced with problem after problem after problem after problem after problem after problem I'm able to face it like she does. I think you will be. Inner strength has a way of showing through when sometimes everything seems so hopeless. Mm. And you, you can pick out one thing that you just hold on to for dear life. It's um, you know, it's like after I lost Jimmy. I mean, the kids all told you. Juno would have. I know she said the same thing. They knew that there was no way I would give up because of Terry. Right. And Terry actually was my, he was my lifeline. I mean, they all were. But Terry was mostly because Terry was only just, just barely, just turned 13. And if, right. if I'd given up, I mean, I know that his brother brothers would have watched out for him. Juno would have watched. But it's not the same. You know, it wouldn't right. have been the same. He's already lost one parent. Why would you another force him one. to lose two? I mean, after yeah. after that there for a good couple of weeks i think i must have been in complete shock i wouldn't eat juno bought me um what was it inshore and uh, you know yeah yeah so you do you find an inner strength you find something something that you can just latch on to and hold on to for dear life and you'll find that it'll be there for you too just, well and you know and life always throws things at people I've, I've talked in past episodes about some of the struggles that we've been through a little bit you know with losing the baby and then of course we always have something every time things start looking up something else crashes back down and um, but still even with what I face it's nowhere near what this woman faces no you know. life gives us um, what does the Bible say God gives us only what we can handle mm. well sometimes right. I think he's given me a lot more than I can handle and it was funny because, well, at, at the time it was. Well, I think the point is that you're supposed to lean on him when you need more. Uh, well, <laughs> some, I think that's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> I know after uh, after Jimmy passed away, Juno was standing there, and and um, I came lived in foster homes most of my young life, and um, <laughs> she said to me, she says, Mom. If you'd known it was going to turn out like this, would have you married Dad? And it's funny because she asked me that because right after I was sitting there with him, right after he passed away, and I for a just a split second, just just a just a split second, I thought the same thing. If I had have known after all those years, you know, I'm back. I felt like I was back to the same place I was when I was 17, on my own and alone. And what if I married him? And my answer to her was exactly what my answer was to myself. Yes, I would have. Had I not married him, I wouldn't have never known such a great, awesome man. I mean, he was terrific. You couldn't find a better person. And I would have not had five beautiful children. So, yes, I would have. Mm-hmm. Had I thought that, I would have maybe been a little bit more prepared if, if you could ever be, you know, yeah. for the way it ended. But when I stop and really think about it, you know, our years together were hard. We had our trials and errors like all marriages does. And, and Jimmy, he kind of followed me around where I wanted to go. He'd go to. You know, but he was always there. He was always there. So, no, I would have definitely done the same thing I did, even knowing that it would turn out like it did. I believe, um, I believe that people make a... People change us. Every single person we meet, even if it's someone we meet for just a couple seconds, the way they behave toward us, they change us some way. They smile, we smile back. It lifts our mood a little bit. It does. 
You know, if they give us a compliment, it lifts our mood. If they're incredibly grumpy, we think, what the heck? You know, no matter... And people that are in our lives for a long time touch us, of course, a lot more deeply. And so it hurts a whole lot more. Oh, pain but not even I do not it. believe, you know, and, I, and I've had friends that I've had for a long time that just suddenly, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't know what happens. I'm like, my gosh, am I that annoying that people, did? I had a time in my life where in like three weeks, five people cut me off and I'm like, what did I do? And it hurt a lot. Because these are people that I had built bonds with, and these are people that, and, and all of a sudden, no one wanted to associate with me anymore, and I had no idea what I had done. I still don't know what I did. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe just whatever happened in their own lives is what led them in another direction. And that's possible too. And but you know, people that people that you know for a long time, it just it hurts really deeply, and it takes more time to recover from but I can't say there's anybody that I've ever met that I've regretted meeting I can say that even the people that have treated me like dirt I've learned something from them I learned how I refuse to be treated from this point on and you're right you do learn even you know that was with me when um, as a child growing up life was just I didn't know any other way. You know, it was, I thought that was my, that was the the normal life, really. Until I met Jimmy and until I met Jimmy's family. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, is this what a family's supposed to be? Hey, this is kind of nice. (laughs) But, and if I meet somebody who's grumpy, I just smile at them, give them a compliment and make them smile back. I try. I try not to let people get to me, and sometimes I fail. I admit today I failed. There's some people that got to me. I don't think they know they got to me, (laughs) but there are some people that got to me today that just made me bristle, and I tend to clam up, (laughs) but... I, I try not to I try not to turn around and say, Well, you did this to make me mad because in all honesty it is my fault that I allow them to get to me. <laughs> not so, always though dreams, not always. I mean sometimes people It is, because if you think about it, no matter what someone does to you, yes, it is our natural reaction to become sad, to become angry, to do whatever. We're human but no matter what someone does to us, we are the ones that make the decision to allow them to irritate us. We know them already. We know what they're like. We are the ones that allow them to drive us bonkers. Now I've always had this rule. First time shame on you, second time shame on me, and there won't be a third. <laughs> and actually yes. I have kept that rule all except for one young man. Uh, when when we were living in New York I I took in some children, mostly relatives though, so, you know, young right. children that were under state protection. Ages from six months up to seven years, but again family. And then I'm on their way. They still keep in touch with me, all of them. Um, get a happy Mother's Day from them. They call constantly. When we moved up to another house there, a 14-year-old boy lived down the road. And he asked if he could spend the night. He never left. He moved, oh. in. <laughs> he moved in with his, with us, and he stayed. His mom never once called to see if he was doing okay, came down to see if he wow. was doing okay. And he's the only one that I have broke my rule for. He's uh, 27 now, 27 or 28 now. And 
I hate to say it, but he's just, I don't know. And I don't know what to do to help him. I don't know what to do you know, try to get him on the right track. I've tried everything with him, but he just, he's, hes I hate to say this, but he's worthless. He really is. He's abusive. Um, he gets thrown in jail. And uh, Oh, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, Juno tells me, she says, well, thank, I guess. Mm. And he's not... Yeah. He's the one I won't let him come up here. I said, no. <laughs> I don't want him around Terry. Because he might stay again. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm afraid of that. Yeah. Right. You can only do so much, though. I mean, there's, there's a point yeah. where, you no, know, it's just, I mean, you hate to give up on people, but there is a certain point where, you, where you're just doing yourself as much damage as, you know, just doing yourself damage. I think you're right on that one. Especially emotionally. And as a teacher, I can actually speak on that. Sometimes there's children that we just desperately, desperately want to help them bend over backwards. And you know, I, I try never, ever to give up on a child because even when it seems like everything is going in one ear and out the other, you don't know what is latching onto the brain in the process as it goes through. Mm. But, you know, it, it can get frustrating at times. And, you know, the... Like I said, I, I've tried to never, ever reach a point where I just wash my hands of a child. I think a lot of it does have to... I mean, if you say that boy showed up and his mother never even called once to see how he was, I think that says a lot. It does, yes. That alone says a lot. Because as a mother, uh, no. Now, I'm very bad about keeping in contact with my own parents. I just... I, I'm not really a phone talker. Which is interesting because, of course, I did this podcast with Jeffy and I talk a lot. But I'm not on a phone. And so it's different. (laughs) But um, I just, I'm not a phone talker. I'm not a, you know, I I just, I'm not the kind of person to call every day and go, oh, by the way, Sammy burped today. That just isn't (laughs) me. Okay. (laughs) And, And I know that my mother wants to hear everything that's going on. And I've tried to become better at it. I really have. I've tried to become better lately because I know she wants to hear what's going on. But half the time, what's going on is just not something that I really want to talk about. Well, then you find something else to talk about. Yeah. And like I said, I'm trying to become better. Right. While you have this, take it it from me. While you have this chance, you you don't have to call her every day. I'm sure eventually she'd probably get tired of you calling her every day. (laughs) Oh, I think she'd be perfectly happy with that, actually. I don't know. Juno calls me usually once a week. There for a while, though, it was every day. You're, there's only so much you can talk about every day, okay? Mm. The weather, what you're going to have to suffer. That's often how I feel. Yeah, that's often how I feel. <laughs> and so the only person that would be the exception to that, I think, would be my husband. The person that we always find something to talk about. I mean, sometimes we're distracted and, and you know, we're just distracted. But we pretty much can always find something to gab about. We're just like, okay, well, we're both kind of distracted today, so we're going to go. And then we launch into this hour-long conversation <laughs> after we already said that we're not going to talk we're going to go and so um but but most other people well and uh, there's a few of my friends that are exceptions as well there's a and that's i guess how i know someone is to me a a friend that i don't know every time i talk to them we're able to talk about something and if we're not able to talk about something if we're just not in the mood we're able to be honest with each other and say you know what i can't do this right now and the other person is a friend enough to go okay i'm gonna leave you alone and i'll see you soon right you know and, and just communication is, is huge, but I'm just horrible about talking on the phone. Well, it. to be quite honest with you, I've talked to you and, and Jeppy more than I have talked to anyone besides maybe my children. 
in a very, very long time. <laughs> well, you love us. Uh, exactly. Exactly. You know, if I go to town, if I, like I told you earlier, if I see somebody that looks like they're sad or upset or grumpy or whatever, I'll give them a compliment. You know, I try to make that an everyday rule to do something nice. Hopefully a genuine one. It is, yes. Good. But um, other than that, you know, my going to town consists of maybe once every two weeks if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go into the city about once every two or three weeks, so I completely understand that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm not one for people. I'm not one for studies, especially not even small well, accounts. We've actually we've actually kept on more serious topics most of this podcast, however, which is unusual for this podcast. It's good. <laughs> I like I love the mix of people that we have on. I mean, last week I, or the week before, I should say, when we had uh, Hypnotode on, we were just being yeah. very very uh, shallow. <laughs> oh. So but this has been this is continuing to be fascinating. I'm you know it's very in depth. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's nice to see. I really do enjoy how the different guests uh, change our show when we have them there. You know, it's not, yes, Jeppy and I are, you know, I, there's a reason we started the podcast together, but, Money. It, you know, Money. bringing in, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, but bringing in people gives it a new voice and it's not the same every week and I think right. it's really great. Nice. Right. All right, the next news story, it, it will probably take out all seriousness, I'm going to be honest. Um, I actually got this one from Big Car inadvertently well not inadvertently but i guess indirectly big car posted it on twitter and said i'm not clicking on the link but you're welcome to if you want to and my husband replied by going send it to in my own dreams <laughs> and so i ended up with it that way and that's how i found it <laughs> because during the school day i'm not really able to check twitter and so school day wise you know it, there's a lot to go through and i miss some of it and so i got this one that way and it's from rawstory.com and it says, drunk, half-naked lab worker arrested after allegedly partying with monkeys. Oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> no, it says. Party with monkeys, really? Seriously? Monkeys. <laughs> it says, in Augusta, Georgia, er, an Augusta, Georgia man is in custody after he was found drunk and half-naked, allegedly after a night of partying with a pair of uncaged monkeys in a lab where he worked. <laughs> According to Augusta's WJBF Channel 6, 32-year-old uh, Coley O'Neill Mitchell is in the Richmond County Jail charged with public drunkenness. Mitchell was an employee of Georgia Health Services University, which owns the lab where the monkeys are kept. He was discovered partially disrobed and unconscious in a lab animal services technician locker room by campus police on Monday. Okay, you say partially disrobed. Hopefully he still had his pants on. <laughs> it does not say which half which was disrobed. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> it doesn't make the story swing one way or on the other, doesn't it, really? Mm. It says no animals There's partying, and then there's partying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, partying. <laughs> partying. Well, you know, I, I have an app on my phone called iFunny, and on there it has things called memes. And one of the memes is forever alone, and so they'll do a little comic, and you know they'll kind of describe people who live in their parents' basement forever and never get, you know, a wife or anything like that. And and please do not misunderstand: living in your parents' basement is sometimes necessary, depending on economic times and such. But they mean the people that will likely never ever have a girlfriend, even. 
Mm-hmm. And this, you know, partying with monkeys. I think this would go on there as being forever alone. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, he's not alone, is he? Because he's got monkeys. <laughs> oh, that's very true. He does. Is that like I'm going to move out of my mom's bedroom and, and get my own bed? Yeah. <laughs> In this case, he's moving out and, and going to live with the monkeys and have fun. Yeah. I think he's made a major step forward. (laughs) It says the monkeys were checked by a veterinarian who pronounced them healthy and unharmed before returning them to their cages. But anyway, this is an absolute blast. I know, right? If if there hadn't been monkeys, the dude, you know, it would have just been a a bit of frivolity. Now, all of a sudden, because it's monkeys, they can't have a good time. The story's hideous. Okay, that's where you come in with the poo again, okay? Because, you know, monkeys get all aggravated and they throw poo at you. Uh We we have we have discussed that on past podcasts. Yeah, that's right. They do. <laughs> I always wanted a monkey until um, I actually watched them, and I changed my mind. So, uh, as far as they're like having a child, forever. I'm not partying with monkeys. No, no. no. <laughs> but you know, the monkey that they show in the picture does not look to be wearing a diaper, so the, there's very possibly poo growing. Exactly. No. Did he give the monkeys alcohol? It does not say whether he gave the monkeys alcohol. I would think that if he had, he would also be charged with something about animal abuse. or. See, so yeah, everybody's know. blaming the dude, but you know, some those monkeys can start some crap up, you know. They don't... They could have been... So you say the monkeys bought the alcohol? Certainly, certainly. I think they could have easily <laughs> got that guy drunk and, and got him... And they were partying with him. Then all of a sudden the police show up. You know, the monkeys... <laughs> they're not saying what's happened. They, you know, they, they're, they're keeping Pat. So, yeah, you know, they're covering their eyes and pointing at him. He did it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I agree with you, Jeff. Yes. He immediately jumped to the wrong conclusion and arrested the dude and the monkeys free. Uh, what is that? I that? How does that go? See no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil? Yes. See? That came from monkeys. There you go. The monkeys exactly. did it. Yep, you're right. Okay. <laughs> well, it's monkey's fault. Monkey see, monkey do. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. All right. So I I found, I hope Debbie will approve of this heartwarming one. That wasn't the heartwarming one? (laughs) No, No, it was not. No, the visions that one brought into my head was not nice at all. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. This one, I will. Did I not give you? Oh, I didn't give you the link about the monkey. I'm sorry. Next time I will. I think I, was, I read the whole article. I was picturing monkeys standing there throwing poo at everybody. It just, no. <laughs> it, it has a picture of a monkey holding a wine glass, actually. Oh, I'm glad oh, he was holding a wine glass. Yes. Yeah, okay, this particular story, when you open it, will have a video, and so you might just want to go ahead and pause it. Otherwise, you'll have it in your ear. All right, so this is the heartwarming story for this week, and it's actually from bbc.co.uk. And there is an 87-year-old doctor in Rushville, Illinois, which is interesting because it's on BBC, but it's... Anyway, it says, To residents of Rushville, Illinois, Dr. Russell Donner is a real-life folk hero. The 87-year-old physician has been caring for locals for 57 years, and his office, directly across from the town square, contains the same phones, filing cabinets, and examining tables it did when he moved in. But it is the price of a visit that patients find remarkable. Dr. Darner charges just $5 for a checkup, the same rate he's charged for the past three decades. Wow. 
This is the BBC visited Dr. Donner to meet the real face of affordable health care. And, I mean, the, the video is actually very nice to watch if you if you do want to take a look at that video later. But uh, it, it's very sweet. I mean, most doctors, you see them as people who kind of want to, especially here in the U.S., kind of want to gouge money out of everybody that they can. And it seems like they charge you for every little thing. They do. But, yes. Yeah, and this one, $5 for a checkup. It kind of makes me want to move to Rushville, Illinois, just so I can go to this doctor. It would be, too. You, know, you, know, <laughs> you don't find people like that anymore. No. Most doctors, just like you just said, are out for... Terry broke his... A while back when he broke his ankle. Well, for the doctor alone, he had to have his cast put on and off every week. Right. $7,000. Wow. $7,000. That was just that was just a doctor. The hospital for the emergency call was 1200. So don't break your legs, don't break your don't break nothing. Wow. Every single time That's they would crazy. Move, it is. Yeah, every it's, it's horrible. Every single time, you know, we How do they justify there, that? How do they justify I, that cost? Well, you know, I was really surprised and the only thing I could think of because uh, my oldest son broke both his wrist and his bone or uh, both his bones and his wrist now they put him in a cast which he stayed in that cast for what was it six weeks they didn't take it off and put a new one on with terry every week we go in on a wednesday they would remove that cast and whether they x-rated or not we put a new cast on and like i said seven thousand dollars seven thousand dollars for a doctor so yeah five dollars is a great price when when i had the twins I was anemic and so unlike most people who go in for a c-section and leave the same day or the next morning or they at least have them walking by that evening they do the c-section in the morning they, they make you walk by the evening to get some exercise they did not allow me to move they made me lay there because they thought that if I was upright I might bleed to death right and so they they made me stay there for four days. On the third day, they find third day in the evening, they finally allowed me to get up and walk around. And I had been up a few times for showers or whatever. They would help me come in, and I would have to have help to take the shower and such because I was in very bad shape and I was very weak. And of course, having two children, also there were three doctors, no four doctors in the room. I apologize. There's one for our daughter, one for our son, and two for me. Right. Just in case anything went wrong. The the bill was more than $25,000. Right, yes. My insurance paid, thank God, my insurance paid 80% of it. Well, you were lucky on that. Yes, but I'll be honest with you. We have never paid that off. We have never had that kind of money. We had twins. We had to start buying food for the kids. Our bills went up, you know, double formula. Then our son got colic and we found a formula that actually soothed his stomach but it cost three times the amount the normal formula cost you know we were it, it was just it was insane the doctor's bills and twenty five thousand dollars well, we, we, uh, i mean the 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 actual cost of some of the, those treatments i can understand that there are certain treatments that have an intrinsic cost but you know there's a there's an actual cost for certain tablets and regime of medications and so forth and there's a certain cost where you have to pay back for large machinery like you know MRI and that type of scan 
where you're, where you're mm-hmm. kind of recouping the cost of the actual physical machine over time. But there's a certain point where they're taking the piss. That's not. <laughs> that's not exactly. Like, you know, that's crazy. I mean, I come from a country where medication is in effect free. Although, of course, it's not free because we pay for it through our taxes over right. m- over you know, you know last hundred two hundred years we've paid for it. But at the point of service, it's free. And so when somebody well, said is... to me, I had to pay $7,000 for having some to remove and replace a plaster, uh, replace a, a cast over time, or what you were talking about, the formulas and so on and so forth, and the, and the actual cost of the, uh, the pregnancy. <laughs> Disgusting. I mean, Oh, that was not the cost of the pregnancy. That was only the cost oh, of the hospital right. stay. Add another seven dollars to $8,000 to pay for all of the doctor's bills through the pregnancy, all of the lab work, and everything else. Well, that was with Jimmy when um, they had to air flight him from Oklahoma to Texarkana. And that's um, roughly, I think, around 35, 40 miles distance. But he had to be air flighted, right? And the air flight alone was $27,000. Yes. He was in the hospital for, I'm trying to remember, it was from, it was less than 24 hours. But again, in intensive care. And the hospital there, it was over a hundred thousand. For the hospital that he was in in Oklahoma, which I can't really talk about, but that hospital alone, just just for the emergency room, the first night was four thousand, and they didn't do anything. Four thousand dollars for nothing. I mean, there was no no um, X-rays, no nothing. So when you add it all up and you stop and you think about it, I don't complain at all about the air flight or the text. And they were great. But I can't see, like like Jeffy was just talking about, $7,000 for a cast or $4,000 for an ER visit where they don't do anything. I'm sorry. Even $27,000 for an airlift is or, ridiculous. It does not cost that much money. And I guarantee that pilot, you can pay the pilot well without paying them $27,000 for a 40-minute trip. Well, I have to say this, though, and I will say this. I The air flight down, like the, what is it called, Flight for Life, mm-hmm. and the Texarkana Hospital, both, they, because of our circumstances at that time, Jimmy was b- back in school um, mm-hmm. out on unemployment, and they did away with the whole thing. Oh, that's they, very sweet. They did. They did away with mm-hmm. the whole thing. I didn't have to pay any of it. So, I think that's that's one of my main concerns with issues that are coming up recently. I know that the country is leaning toward a national health care system where everyone is required to have health insurance, which I already have health insurance. So, I mean, to me, it's pretty much the same. I mean, we pay a ton for health insurance. And what they say, they claim that what's driving up the cost of medical is the fact that there are so many people that do not have insurance, so they cannot pay but the system is obligated to serve them anyway. Well, if they and would so, make our insurance, you know, so people could afford it, it might I'll be a different circumstance. Right. They don't. If you, I checked no, in, it's, I checked, it's incredibly high. It is. I checked into health insurance for Terry and I. And um, <laughs> the guy says $800 a month. Yeah, $800 yes. a month. That was just for health insurance. They didn't cover dental or vision, just for, you know, doctor's visits. And then you still had a pay on top of that. And I, <laughs> you got kidding. I have, um, I have about $600 that comes out of my paycheck a month for health insurance. And that is over and above what the school district pays because the school district pays part of it. 
and it's for myself and my children. My husband is not on there. He has his own insurance through his company, which is a lot more reasonably priced. On top of that, I have a $35 copay for every time I go to the doctor. I have a $500 deductible. It means that every time I go, I still have to pay. They'll cover the rest, but I have to pay $35. And so even though I'm already paying over $600 a month out of my own money, and the school district's paying another $400, I believe. So $1,000 a month, we still have to pay this extra. And if we go to the hospital, each family member has a $500 copay. Exactly. Or I'm sorry, a $500 deductible. So not only am I paying them $12,000 for insurance, uh, if I actually have an issue and have to go to the doctor, or if all three of us happen to have to go to the doctor, we're going to have to pay another $500 per. And my copay for emergency room is $150. Exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, you know, they can blame... It's broken, isn't it? I mean, it's seriously broken. I mean, I've had this argument with uh, medical professionals before. I... I'm happy that if you have spent however many years, six, seven, maybe eight years, learning a skill, which obviously being in the medical profession is a skill, a skill that not everybody can potentially learn, don't have the capacity to do so, and you've become, you know, a good doctor or a good surgeon or whatever, then you need to be remunerated for that. But it gets to a point where you, you know, how many, you know, if, you, if you're driving around in, in their BMW or you've got two or three BMWs or your house has got 16 rooms or, or you know, some, there comes a point where it starts to become a little bit niggling that right. is, is being driven up by the, the lifestyles of people. Now, don't get me wrong, because I, I, you know, I meet medical people all the time, unfortunately, and sometimes, unfortunately, <laughs> but, um, the, the people here are not. They're not in that They're not in that. You know, they're not in that financial bracket, and they do it. It seemingly purely vocationally, but they're doing it because they, you know, they they have the desire to help and, and the desire to, to do good without incredibly ridiculous amounts of remuneration. And sometimes I think that somewhere in America, that's just got lost. It has but, got lost. Yeah. It has. And what I what I'm really concerned about, especially with the things coming up, is, you know. I'm wondering if what wouldn't help this issue is doctors being willing to price themselves more reasonably. And I have a feeling that if we would try to force them to do something like that, that many doctors would leave the profession and we would be in more trouble than we are now. Why would they do Because we would have fewer physicians. Where, where would they because go? There's, exactly. Where would they go? They, their, their job is to be a surgeon or a doctor. Where they and go? they're not going to go to it's not saying, We're not saying, oh, well, you should be earning the same as a checkout assistant or you should, you know, you should be earning minimum wage. They're still going to be earning a significant wage, which is a good remuneration for the effort and, and skills and sets that they have. I understand that. It's just something that I worry about. Uh, trust know, me, if- trust me. We have the, we have hit. I mean, we are our national health service is has, certainly has its serious problems, but it is a good bedrock health service, and it's been with since the 1940s. And every now and then, they will renegotiate the contract. The government will re- renegotiate the contract with the national health service doctors, because all a great majority of the surgeons in this country are national health service doctors. And there'll be a little bit of fuss, and everybody will say, "Oh my goodness, the doctors will go abroad, or they'll go, you know, they'll they'll sort of." They don't, because the fact of the matter is, they are doctors. They're and, not going to be and, some plumbers. 
exactly the day that they all chuck in their white coat and hop into a van and go around fixing people's toilets is not going right. to happen because no, they're doctors not. so well, see, you know it, it's, veterinarians uh, here are just as bad i well, think though i have to think a lot of our skill that is hard to get hold of wants to charge you through the nose for it and it's ridiculous exactly well <laughs> just, you know when you would go to a doctor if you went to a doctor that was the doctor you saw uh, you, somewhere along the line, though, now you go to an MD, a doctor, you know, just a regular family doctor, and instead of him having the equipment to do what he needs to do, like blood tests or whatever, he'll send you to the hospital, have your blood test done, or the hospital, have your x-rays done, or if you need, um, say, a sonogram, then you go to a different doctor. So you're not just... They going, refer you all over the place. They refer you, and they didn't used to do that. I remember as a little girl, when I went, which wasn't very often, but if I went in to see one doctor, it was just that doctor. They drew the blood, they had the x-ray machines, they had it all. Not no more. Now it's, uh, you go to him for whatever reason, and he sends you to everybody else. He gets the referral fee as well. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and see, when I go to a specialist, it's $50 instead of 35 Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And... Um, Plus twenty percent, like when I had to go for my sleep disorder, they I had to take what's called a sleep test, and they're very sticky and gooey and cords everywhere, and the I had to pay twenty percent of those. So each of my sleep studies cost me around one hundred fifty dollars, and then I had fifty dollars every time I visited, and I had to get a CPAP machine. Well, the CPAP machine was three thousand right. dollars, so I had to pay six hundred of that. And so, in one year, I pay. You know, because I was having to visit this doctor every two weeks for a while. I, you know, I paid nearly a thousand dollars just to find out what was wrong with me and why I had no energy. And you know, it's just it's it's incredibly frustrating. I had to today. We signed up for insurance, and I had to get a supplemental insurance that'll help me cover my copays because I can't afford them. So I think that when you have such an amazing country as the United States, and and I know there's a lot of people who will kick the United States for various reasons, but it, it, in effect, it's, you know, it's a pretty damn amazing place. But when you see that people can't afford to be ill, <laughs> you have to really question <laughs> something that's going on. You know, the family can't to be ill, and I have in their spinning in their graves because that is a black eye for uh, such a, such a, an amazing country in so many other ways. They can't yeah, afford to be thing. ill, right? That is one thing. I am not a doctor person. I am not. A, I would rather take a beating than go. But, and that was one of the things that kind of worried my kids, you know, after their dad left. They kept thinking, well, okay, now he went the way he did. We're never going to get mom to a hospital. We're never going to get mom to a doctor. And then they're thinking, yeah, and she wouldn't spend the money to begin with. And, you know, the bad part about it is they're right. That money can go to feed my kids, you know, feed Terry, to buy him clothes, buy him school stuff, things that he needs. Now, don't think for one second that I wouldn't take him. I would. I would take the other ones, too. But as far as me going, no. It's, to the me, that's you're just... faced with that decision. It's, it's hideous. That you, exactly. that you have to say, you know, I'm going to probably have to seriously think about cutting back on food for my family because I have a medical issue. Right. That's, that shouldn't happen in a civilized country. No, it shouldn't. But it does. And it's, it seems like it's a, a growing problem. It's not, you know, the, so far there's, there's nothing in sight that's going to really help it. They keep talking about this and that, but I haven't really seen any improvements 
I file. It's so ingrained. It's so it's going to be so hard to because you almost want to you almost have to clean slate and you you can't because it's not it's like it's like a, an oil tank you just can't stop it quickly. Right. Pump right. It around you have to. There's so much pain involved in the in the process of change. That sometimes you know it feels like it's worth the, worth the pain. But, well, you know what in the dis- you know the what district that? here pays for some. Sorry, we keep talking. To each other. <laughs> okay. The district here pays for some, but they don't have to. That's actually a perk that the district offers. Not everyone gets help with their insurance like I do, and that is scary. Well, if you don't have, you you can't afford to pay. You know, it's when, the, like I said, when the hospital hit me with that bill after Jimmy, and I would have gladly paid it if I had the money, and I was trying to figure out how I could pay it with what money I did have. You know, he was worth every penny. I mean, it would have been even more worth it had it turned out differently. But they, right. they, as far as I'm concerned, the Texarkana Hospital, the Flight for Life, they were well worth it. They gave 100% effort into saving his life, and they just couldn't. So as far as I'm concerned, they did earn that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, trying to figure out a way to pay it, well, that was going to... That was going to be the hard part because, like Jeffy mm-hmm. said, I would have had to try to cut down on food, you know, and I wouldn't take it out of my kid's mouth. I'm the one that would have been losing all the way around because my kids get fed first, period. Right. But no, I, I completely agree. But there, there has to be some kind of a solution. And there are people that are in worse shape than, you know, what we are. People out there on the streets that have nothing whatsoever and can't yes. get help. We, I did you hear there was an article on the web not too long ago. In fact, um, I believe it happened in Las Vegas. This older man was in critical condition. He had really bad teeth, and he had a heart problem. Um, he had, was on Social Security, so he was up there. He was retired, but he couldn't afford to go to the doctor. His, uh, you, you get you know some kind of a medical plan through Social Security, which you, by the way, have to pay for, and yet he still yeah. couldn't afford to go. So what he did is went into a bank with a plastic fake gun in his pocket, held the bank up, got away with it until he walked down the streets, and then he stood there and waited for the cops to show up. And sure enough, they did. They arrested him, and when they asked him, why did you hold up this bank? His reply was, because if I get put in prison, at least I'll get medical help. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, Scary. exactly. And that's a shame. No, that really is a shame. Yeah. There's a there's a movie, actually, called Catch That Kid. Have you guys ever seen that movie? I think yeah. I have seen that. It's about a little girl's dad who is very, very, very ill. And he needs a very expensive surgery, and they can't pay for it. And no one will give them a loan. In fact, they're, uh, the mother of the family does security at this bank and she went in and she begged and the man at the bank would not give her a loan and so the daughter and a couple of her friends actually planned to rob the bank and succeeded <laughs> at robbing the bank but of course they got caught once they brought the money back to the hospital to the father and they, they passed it off as the children testing out the new security system because the president of the bank uh was insistent on having a party on a certain day and the mother had told him that the security system was not yet ready and that it was very unwise but he wanted to do it anyway so but it it was you know and and eventually what happened was the town got together and they raised enough money through a racetrack that the people owned to get the surgery for him and they gave the money back but I mean really I wonder how many people have gone to drastic measures just to pay for their family member to live, and it should not 
being like that. No, it shouldn't be, but I'm I'm pretty sure you've hit a key point there. I also wonder how many people have done just that. What what you go through to make sure that your family is safe and you know have things that they need as in medical care. And it's uh, it's a shame, but yeah, there's a lot of us out here that can't afford it, and would rather right. not have to place that kind of a bill on our loved ones. So yeah, yeah, it's sad. Well, like I said, we we have gone very serious this entire podcast. That's the majority of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you have it don't like, it's okay with me too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it's been good conversation, though. And so I do want to go ahead and, and go ahead and close this up. I need to start getting the little ones off to bed. When does your school start? Next month, or this is coming up Monday. I'm already in in-service, so... Well, Terry starts back, I think, on September the 1st. Yeah, we actually start on August the 27th, so we start really, really soon. So. Just, just so you know, he went off on his little field trip this morning I yeah I uh, I actually got about four hours worth of sleep last night because I wanted to make sure that I was up and that he had everything he needed toothbrush you know all right so he doesn't stuff packed up yeah so but I got his cell phone for him and he's had a blast with that said he's all oh, bad yeah. you got him unlimited texting right I did I got Verizon's it has unlimited texting unlimited calling it even has web on it so yeah he's, so he's gonna love that oh yeah <laughs> but he asked me last night because you know I've never really parted with him I'm kind of oh very overly probably protective uh, so I've not really ever really parted with any of them actually so he's sitting here last night and he says to me mom he says well he said you let me go off to the college campus for a couple of days but that was right downtown I'm looking at me yeah where are we going with this conversation and he says but now I'm going to be 300 miles away and I'm I'm, I'm looking at him I'm thinking uh, what do you want me to say <laughs> yeah. and he says well how do you feel about it and I'm looking at him and I says uh, mm, can I trust you he said yeah I said okay well then I'll be fine he said are you sure i said yeah i'll be fine i'm not mm-hmm. fine <laughs> i'm sure it seems very very quiet oh i miss him i really do i, I remember when our children were five and we sent the, the, there's a church that'll come by and pick them up and take them to a little thing made specifically for children and my husband and i sat there and we looked at each other because it's the first time we'd really, I mean, we'd been without them, but not at the house. Right. And so we looked at each other and we're like, this is weird. And we're like, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, we could watch TV that they aren't allowed to watch. And he's like, well, I guess we could watch some CSI. <laughs> and that's pretty much how we're like, what do we do? And this, it lasts for two hours. And so, and, and of course, they pick them up a little bit beforehand, drop them off a little bit afterwards. And so it's more like two and a half hours. And we just sat there and we were completely at a loss. It, you know, it is surprising. You, you really, you get so used to their little noises or, you know, the noises they make. And, and then all of a sudden, because I know once in a while, they'll, all three of them will take off, they'll go fishing, then they'll be gone or they go to the movies. Um, you know, and all of a sudden the house is totally quiet. And yes. just, it's just me and, and the dogs and, 
and the crickets and you hear and I don't turn on the TV I don't watch much TV so you're hearing every little sound but the right sound it's like okay where right. you know you're missing a key thing there <laughs> so Jeppy he tweeted when his family was gone Silence was deafening. Uh, it like, is. Yeah. <laughs> a few, t- they've, they've been, I mean, they go occasionally away for the weekend, but a while back they all went off to Spain where my uh, mother-in-law lives. And because um, I, I, I naturally assume that I will be happy for the silence. <laughs> You know, I just assume. I just assume because I get so because I can get quite aggravated by noise. I get. I think. Well, oh my goodness, two weeks. They're going off to Spain. It's going to be bliss. Uh huh. Twelve hours. Twelve hours in. I'm like. I'm climbing the walls. I can't. You know, I just. <laughs> as you say, you miss all. You miss all that. Those that little extra noises. And actually, all the noises you then start to hear. You think, what the hell is that? There's nobody, yeah. there's nobody in the house. <laughs> and then you start eating greasy pizza. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. My and getting in trouble. Yeah. And getting in trouble with she who must be obeyed once she gets home because. <laughs> Your pizza. <laughs> there's all this fantastic food she's prepared in the, in the fridge and in the freezer already to go you know there's instructions on it and uh, <laughs> all I did is, is dial dominoes <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> I had to do that with the boys I came home from work one time and my oldest son says to me mom can dad cook I said well yeah he says can he cook anything besides eggs and he said by, by the way the eggs are really lousy <laughs> I died laughing. Like I was thinking, you know what? I think I better start pre-making meals and putting them in the freezer. <laughs> My husband can cook. That's never been an issue. And we tend to keep fast little things around the house because some days we just, oh, we're going so fast that we get home and we're like, we're starving and we can't wait an hour and a half for food. Right. And so, I mean, we have, we have things in the freezer and elsewhere that is really easy to make. And it helps, too, when I have to have someone else, of course, because my husband is not here very often anymore. And so when I, when my friend brings the kids home or whatever, she'll just throw some corn dogs in the microwave or something and feed them that way. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Terry will be home back home, I think he said, 10.30 Friday night. It'll be a long couple of days. Yeah, just sleep. Yeah. He even volunteered <laughs> last night. He wanted me to play, um, it's a game that Juno plays, Borderland. I don't, okay. Uh, I, he's got the first one. I ordered the second one for him. It'll get in next month, I think. And then he says to me, he says, um, you play Borderlands with me? Mom? I said, no. <laughs> and he says, well, I guess I could play WoW with you. And he says, have you got my Warlock 85 yet? What the heck? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I got his, his Warlock to 85. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I told him I was going to take his rude little goblin and turn it into a female something. I'm just not sure what. And he had a fit about that. He's just, no, you're not turning turning him into a female. I said, well, yeah. And I said, I'm going to change uh, change it into a blood elf or something. <laughs> no. I keep saying Alexander do that. I keep saying, you know, he 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 goes through these spurts where he he won't play for months and months on end, and he goes off to his Xbox or he does other things or he's reading or he's writing or whatever. And then I said, listen, if you're not going to use that account, I'm definitely going to take, he's got a couple of ages, I'm definitely going to take them and turn them into uh, female blood elves, not <laughs> just sit in the gathering dust, there's no... <laughs> oh, I got Terry, one time when we, we were still there in Oklahoma, and uh, he has a shaman, the one that he transferred over to Earth and Ring, or I did, and anyway, he had gone to school, so while he's gone, I thought it would be a really cute joke, so I went on his shaman, and I put his shaman into a dress, <laughs> oh, a, a pink dress with the shoes, right. the hat and everything. 
he did not find it so funny. He was not a happy <laughs> Oh, He was not, I mean, he, oh, he was, no, he threw a fit. He says, did you sell my stuff? I said, no, I did not sell it. It's in your bags. Oh, but man, was he mad at me. Oh, <laughs> okay, well, like I mentioned, we should probably start closing up. I must shuffle the children off to bed very soon. But it has been an absolute blast. I really love recording this podcast. It's one of the things that actually calms me down and relaxes me and kind of makes all the other worries go away for a while. Yes. So you shouldn't be so worrying. Oh, oh, I wish that was something I could turn off. But unfortunately, my worry button is pretty much always switched on. If I'm not worrying about one thing, I'm worrying about another. However, I try to make myself remember to be cheerful every day anyway. <laughs> but... Um, but Pixie Girl, thank you so much for joining us. It has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it's been it. Amazing. It, it's been so much fun. And of course, uh, Jeppy, you're always just an absolute joy to talk to and to record with. So it, it's it's wonderful having you as a co-host. Sure. I know you I just ask. I don't seem to have received it. any sort of check as yet. Um, <laughs> oh, a check. Yeah, he wants ca- my help. I mean, I said I'll take cash. I'm not, you know, I'm not panicky about mm-hmm. that. But you know, there were certain promises made, and it seems promises broken. So, you know, I'm not being uh, focused. Uh, but Juno, Juno has said suggested that I could go and do the podcast with her instead. And, oh, and, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and she's willing to give me casino, casino chips. So she, she would, she would take Jeppy in a heartbeat. Believe me. She, I imagine so. She thinks that Jeppy is just. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. You know, this is no joke. Every time I'm feeling just a wee bit blue, and occasionally I look on Juno's Twitter page, and she has this smiley face. She's, she's got, if you look at her actual pe- page for Twitter, oh, on a her picture profile. of her smiling. Uh, it's like, <laughs> oh. Oh. You know, she, she sometimes she'll tell me, she'll, uh, I'm just an awful daughter, because she feels like that she hasn't done what, I don't know what she thinks she's supposed to have done, but she is an amazing daughter, and she is a wonderful human being. You know, I am so proud of her. I'm proud of all of my kids. But you know, she's she's um, she stayed with the job she really hates because of her daughter and because of the insurance, mostly because of the insurance. So you know, she's done an amazing job of being a single mom. Knows now she's got a wonderful man in her life. So. Yeah. Ogre's a blast. He is. I really like him. He's so much fun. Oh, he, <laughs> you know, he is such a, I don't think he realizes how much of a blessing he is really to me. Because even though she's a grown adult woman and she can take care of herself, you know, as a mom, I'm still very protective of her too. He's, uh, since he's been with her, I don't have to worry. I know she's okay. I know he's watching out for mm-hmm. her. He's taking care of her, and he absolutely loves her. And he loves and my granddaughter. Pizza. Huh? He's eating pizza. Oh yeah, pizza. <laughs> pizza and beer. Pizza, beer, and chicken. Yes. So it's nice to have that comfort. It's nice to have comfort. It you, is. You've hand, handed your daughter mm-hmm. on to somebody who's so you know. Such yeah, a, he really uh, is. Backbone. He's a yeah. he's a great man. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I don't have to worry about her. I know he's gonna. You know, he'll be right there no matter what. So she's really fortunate. And my granddaughter. I was so worried my granddaughter would turn out like me. <laughs> oh, I love your granddaughter. I got to meet her and pick on her about her tattoo. And I got to meet her boyfriend. I guess now he's the fiance. Yes. Yeah, so I got to meet him too, and he was a lot of fun. And so, uh, yeah, I think you've just you've got a lovely family there, and so you should be very proud. Are you kidding? I am very proud. You know, out of five <laughs> kids there, I've only got one more to graduate from high school. 
and then I've got it made. And if you stop and think about the statistics on five children and all graduated from high school, yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah, that's amazing. It is because it our our dropout rates keep going higher with every new test they put out there. Well, Tommy had a setback because when his father passed away, but he uh, has gone to the adult education center. So he has his GED coming in. He passed all of his tests. So he's got that. that. You know what? Sometimes I think getting your GED is a lot more work than actually attending high school. If I had to do the math that he had to do, I, would, I, I had to do the math that Terry does. I would never do it. it yeah. I mean, it, a GED, truly, I know people kind of look down on a GED, or some people do, but it is my opinion that it's just as hard to get a GED as it is to get a high school degree, and the fact that you have all this test that you have to pass, and back in, I remember back in 2000 or 2002 when they changed the GED to make it actually equivalent to the exit exams from high school, and these people came in and they were panicking because if they did not pass, it was the last test, and if they did not pass it, they would actually have to start all over because none of the previous scores were right. going to go forward to the new test exactly. and we looked at some of those study materials and our mouths our, our chins dropped and we're like dude some of our kids don't have to know this to graduate from high school and yet they're expecting it out of the people who get GEDs and so I have to say if he got his GED applaud him my goodness well, it's he, a tough test they were surprised at here because he took his um math test first because that mm-hmm. was his hardest part the rest of it i homeschooled him too for a short time up in new york which mm-hmm. if i'd known how the school system was i would have never done it but you know on the other hand it helped him with um his english and history and all that but math i couldn't even come close to what he had to do down here not even yeah. close and she told me she said he took the hardest test first, and he got a 580 on it, which um, the score, I think, for passing was 600. Yeah. So, it, yeah. yeah. So I was really That's proud of him that. So, and he just, you know what, they, they're allowed to take it multiple times, which I think is good, because the first time you take a test, sometimes you're taking it just to see what in the world is going to be on right. it. Right. Well, he hasn't and had it to. it helps you better prepare. He didn't have to. He passed them all, so. Good he, for him. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of him, but that was one of my my uh, things is that you know you have to get that diploma if there's no if and buts about it you're going to get it and that's all there is to it and I don't care if you're 22 or not <laughs> it, you know once he once he becomes older he'll appreciate that you pushed that I think he probably already does him and I butt yeah. heads sometimes but we usually get along pretty good you know my dad for you know for a while he my father in my opinion is an incredibly amazing man and he has a GED, and he, he got it, and he, he dropped out. He got his GED, and he joined the military. And then he went to college afterwards, and he has a college degree now. And for, you know, there's been times in our lives when, you know, things haven't been all that great. And he'll do just like, you don't need to be proud of me. All I have is a GED. I don't even have a diploma. And I was like, I'm proud of you either way because you're my father, and you're a great man, and you do whatever it takes to support your family. Right. And so, I mean, I do not have anything against getting a GED. Granted, yes, I am a teacher, and the last thing I want to see is a student drop out of school and make that decision. I think that is not a a good life choice. But when they go on and they actually get their GED, it at least means they're moving forward in some manner. 
Well, if we so. stayed in Oklahoma where we were, Tommy would have graduated from high school. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Juno and her other brother, I was just sick down there, and um, Juno wanted me out there closer to her. And I didn't realize at the time that he couldn't go back to school, high school out there. And then come to find out, no, they wouldn't take him. So that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it was kind of a loss on that, but I'm pretty proud of him for having the backbone, you know, to go back and and do just this. And then after this, he's going to go off to community college. Oh, good for him. Yeah, because once he gets an associate's degree, he can go into a four-year university even with IGED. Right. Well, what he wants to do is take up mechanicing. He wants to. That's great. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. So we're going to be working towards that. That's, that's awesome. We need somebody to do all those vacations. I've always told my students, I'm like, you know what? You don't have to go and become a doctor. If you want to, by all means, go and become a doctor. But go and just do something. Right, exactly. Don't not make something. Go to vocational school. Go to college. Get a degree. Go to vocational school. Get a certification to be a beautician, to be a mechanic, to be a plumber. Do something with your life. Something, some kind of career that you can always have, you know. Exactly. Always fall back on. That's why I tell them, too. You don't have to, you know, take something, some kind of career move. Doesn't mean you have to stay with that because you'll learn something new or you may decide, I've gone through, I don't know how many jobs, just because I wanted to see what they were like. And I've enjoyed 99.9% of them. So I told them, you Mm -hmm. don't have to stay with it, but make a career move. Choose something that will get you through life if you need it. And then later on, if you decide you don't want to, you can change your mind. Now, Terry, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, I think he's probably going to be my little biologist. (laughs) I think science is is definitely what he's probably going to go into. That's awesome. I think science is an excellent field. It's very interesting. Uh, he loves it. So, uh, you know, it'll either be that or uh, I don't know with him. He's he's kind of hard to tell right now. He he loves books. He's, he's got lots of time to does. still make a decision. He doesn't have to know yet. But that's he asked me and I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. You know, when you get older, you'll figure out what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. But he's smart enough that he, whatever he chooses to do, he can do it. That's awesome. Hopefully he realizes that. Oh, he does. <laughs> he rubs it in. We get our noses rubbed into it every day, okay? <laughs> I'll smack him around a little bit for that part, but anyway. Okay, well, I think it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. So, and I, I, I don't think I thanked Jeppy for being here. I did mention how wonderful it is to always record with him and talk to him, but I don't think I thanked him. So thank you, Jeppy, no for joining us yet again. Just, oh, that's Just right. sign the checks. <laughs> right, right. So those of you who want to contribute towards Jeppy's supposed paycheck for doing this, um, please. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I actually pay to do the podcast, so <laughs> no one pays me. But anyway, have a great evening, Jeppy. It, it's probably <laughs> it, it, it's late for you. Yeah, he should be getting, it's, his, uh, getting in bed. It's 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah and so have a great morning. Pass your <laughs> bedtime. Go to bed, Jeppy. Yes, and Big Sea Girl, have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Thanks. guys. For having me, it's been fantastic. It's been so much. And we'll have to be back. Well, one more more time, just to let you both know, and whoever else is listening, you guys mean the world to me. Just so you know that you really do. You've made a difference in my life, and I appreciate it very much. So on that note, I'm going to say I love you guys and have a great evening, and hope to talk to you soon again. It sounds wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good night, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks. Bye. Bye. 
Hello, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Oh My Goodness, Not Another Podcast. The music that you heard in the outro and the intro is called Free Music and Free Beer by Alex Barroza. I use this music under the Creative Commons license.